good everybody it's your boy walter doom back for another episode of let's talk about horror the horror podcast where your nightmares in reality meet and yes your boy is back for another episode let's do this yep so yeah just so y'all know fair warning y'all might hear me slurping a bit and <laughs> all sus aside but um yeah i was almost close to not really doing this episode today but then I was like, fuck it, let's push through, let's do this shit, let's get this shit, let's get this shit, oh, on the top of the morning, top of the morning, top of the morning, and just get this episode out, and just, yeah, right now I got my food on the side of me, <laughs> if you follow me on Instagram, you, you would have saw it in my stories, and by the way, if you're not following me on Instagram or any of my social medias, those social medias are Walter Doom on Instagram, the Walter Doom on TikTok, Walter Doom, or anywhere else is streaming, and Walter Doom one on Twitter. I almost forgot about what my Twitter was. <laughs> I, I swear, I feel like because everything is so different, I wish I could have everything as just Walter Doom, but unfortunately, I couldn't do that because assholes are taking my name for some reason. But <laughs> I mean, I woke up to niggas sounding like me stop <laughs> um but um yeah i just wish like i could actually have everything as one just walter doom all the way across the boards like my girl megan's world you know she got everything megan's world down the board me i'm sitting here like walter doom on instagram walter doom one on twitter and the walter doom on tiktok and it's just like motherfuckers get confused after a while it's just like motherfucker just follow the link tree now <laughs> But anyway, how are you guys doing today? How's everyone? Um, this show today is going to be kind of different. Um, first off, let me say this. Shouts out to my boys, Algorithm C and Callie the Wolf for supplying the beats to the show. You guys are the real MVPs of the show. You guys make this shit happen. Shouts out to you, the audience that keeps returning to my show. Without you guys, this show wouldn't be possible. I mean, y'all not really putting anything. Y'all just sitting here listening to me. And I hope that, you know, while you listen to me, you know, I'm get, helping you get through the day, you know, and just like forget about all the worries and troubles in the world or just hear like some random dude just talk about some fuck shit because I do love to talk about some fuck shit. <laughs> all right. But um, yeah, but that's all to you, the audience, for still listening to me. So last episode. Last episode was the first episode of the new year, season three, I believe this is season three, I at least I think this is season three, I mean, 
I wasn't really into giving all these episodes seasons, but I was like, you know what? Might as well kind of separate it all, what have you. Too bad it's not really organized like that on YouTube. <laughs> I really need to get better with that shit. But um, yeah, just like it's season three, you know, new shit, hopefully new beginnings, new transition into this podcast, more growth and shit like that. So, yeah, I mean, for all you guys that are listening to me, I hope you still rock with me now. Um, like I mentioned before, season three first episode of the new year i talked about my what did i talk about last time as i am blanking out on every bit of like (laughs) what i talked about oh yeah that's right so last episode i talked about the slumber party massacre movie and how like The newer film was way better than like the actual old school version of the film, as well as talk about my top five movies that are coming out this year that I really cannot wait to see. And spoiler alert, I have not seen Scream yet. (laughs) So motherfuckers don't ruin it for me, honestly. But yeah, but um, as you guys are probably wondering, what are we getting into? What are we getting into today, Doom? Oh my god, that's such a fucking tongue twister, I swear. I'll tell you, audience, what we're getting into today. So today, I'm going to give you guys another movie review. I'm going to talk about this movie that came out last year called A Classic Horror Story. And just my thoughts about the film. Also, what we are going to talk about is just a couple of things that were in the news. Stuff that I've seen recently that I just want to touch base on. And, yeah, give you guys my Slasher Corner movie of the week. And, yeah, we're going to keep pushing this thing on, you know. So, hopefully, motherfucker don't take too long, you know. (laughs) But, um, yeah, let's go ahead and get into our first topic of the day as we run that beat by Kelly DeWolf as we talk about some movie reviews with Walter Doom. I don't even know that's going to be the title. I'm just saying some bullshit right now. But let's hit that shit. I just realized I didn't even talk about what I'm eating right now. Um, if you guys follow me on Instagram, y'all probably already know what I'm eating if you're listening to this podcast. But for those that don't, I just really did some ratchet shit. <laughs> I just literally like boiled up some like instant noodles and kind of like made a little ramen dish out of it. It's bomb as fuck though. Like I've been looking at a lot of... um. I guess cooking videos on Instagram lately. I guess my algorithm is like not trying to show me some fuck shit. That algorithm is kind of changing up a bit. You know, I've been liking a lot of like cooking videos, you know, just people like cooking up like some, some chicken and uh, that's not real, real black of me to say, <laughs> but <laughs> some chicken, some um, pastas and t- different types of dishes and what have you. 
And usually what I like and what I see a lot on these um these reels because they show me in reels a lot of like ramen dishes, you know, just like stuff you could do with like if you have like some top ramen and you're just like flat out sick of just having straight up noodles and broth. You know, they show you like different ways to kind of make your noodles exciting. And me, I already do shit like that already. But to see like there's other ways of making it exciting and just like, you know, you can enjoy more variety from your um, noodles. It's amazing. It's literally amazing. So what I did recently, and I won't take too long on this because, you know, this is not the point of the show, <laughs> you know, but I took like two ramen noodles. Um, by the way, they are from two contrasting um, <laughs> companies, by the way, but I mean, hey, fuck it, whatever. Um, cook, the, cook the noodles. Um, took some kale because I have some kale left over. I haven't did my grocery shopping yet. So this is kind of like grocery shopping day for me, honestly. So I took some kale, took some soy sauce, took some sriracha sauce, took some teriyaki, mixed that motherfucker up, you know, until it was nice and boiled. I emptied out some of the water too that was um, boiling the noodles. So kind of like, you know, it's kind of like a little bit of like, the ramen water that's in there well the noodle water i should say but then after that you know i took some took a couple of eggs you know cooked that over the um over the noodles and man is this shit fire i mean fire (laughs) i mean honestly it seems like i'm doing too much but my god it is so bomb it's just oh but anyway we are going to get into this movie review because this is not Cook With Doom, but um, we're going to talk about a movie review and just, you guys know, there are a bit of spoilers for this movie if you haven't seen it before. So if you're someone that's like not into spoilers, I would suggest you will skip ahead and go to like the next part of the podcast. But other than that, if you want to like go ahead and hear what I have to say, let's go ahead and enjoy this ride. So I watched this movie called A Classic Horror Story. It's been in my Netflix um, watch list for I don't know how long, honestly. I've been wanting to watch it. It was a 2021 film that I wanted to watch. Um, I did not know that this movie was a Italian film or foreign language film, honestly. So when I was looking at the film for a little bit or looking at the previews I should say I was like I do not know if I want to watch this right now but here's the funny thing and ironic part of it because the way I was feeling kind of plays in the same way that this film is kind of commentating on as far as Americans and international films and how well received they are so in a classic horror story We're following a group of people who are making a road trip to wherever they're going to. Honestly, I really don't know why they were all like ride sharing together. It's so weird, but um, it looks so hitchhiker ish. But you have these characters. You have one character, Eliza. She's about to have a baby Well, she's pregnant, but she wants to get an abortion. The movie really doesn't explain how she got pregnant or who she got pregnant by, but we just know that she wants to get an abortion. 
Ricardo is a doctor and he actually loses his license because of a patient that he made a mistake on and they actually died under his hands. Kind of extreme to happen for a doctor, but at the same time, I mean, I'm not into the medical field. So, yeah, um, that happened. And then you got this couple, Mark and Sophia, who are hitchhikers and they're pretty much just hiking around or just traveling around like different countries and what have you. Um, they're all being like in the care of this other character named Fabrizio, who is an aspiring filmmaker, and he is filming everything that's happening on the on the travel. This movie plays out a lot like a cabin in the woods mixed with midsummer because there's a lot of talks about this cult in the film that ends up being like the villains majority of the time but it goes into like a cabin in the woods type commentary in the second half when we realize Fabrizio is actually behind the whole plan the whole time and his commentary of why he was doing it is because he wanted to create something that people from Italy or just international films in general have characters that are just like Freddy, Jason, and Chucky. That was pretty much like the big twist of it all. So right now we're about to break it down to things that I like, things that I disliked. So let's start it off with things that I like. <clears throat> First thing I want to say, I do like the commentary that Fabrizio has in this film, which is talking about how international film especially international horrors don't really measure up or don't really have the same acclaim like U.S. horror films. And I I had to do a little bit of research on this. Um, I couldn't really find anything that was too current, but what I was reading um, from this 2014 article on IndieWire, a lot of like indie movies that were from foreign language, um, that are foreign language films, they weren't being well received because in the theaters there was a lot more English films being pumped out into theaters because they were all competing for box office numbers. So a lot of the foreign language films, they weren't really getting picked up by theaters because there was no space or time to really like show those films. Another thing that they talked about in this article is that a lot of the major companies, they used to back a lot of the foreign films, but because of like the change in the market and the change in what they had to focus on, meaning the companies, they kind of downsized that outlet and the foreign language films, they became a little bit more independent to where they couldn't really like. I guess, afford to really get the correct marketing for their films. Not only that, the rise of VOD videos were just becoming like a little bit more accessible to people. So within those parameters of like just streaming VOD and companies changing their ways of like how they view foreign films and how they do in the market for them because they weren't really making that much money 
off of their foreign films, according to um, one of the Goldwyn um, guys, you know, from the company Samuel Goldwyn and Myers, he claims like, you know, they don't really make that much money off of the foreign films. So for for film companies, it wasn't that that hard of a decision to really cut those films in general. Um, I'm thinking back to the time where I got my first Netflix account and I spent like a significant amount of time watching some foreign films, some horror films, you know, mainly because there were some ass and titties involved, honestly. <laughs> I mean, the, there's no other way to put it, but thinking about like what Fabrizio said in this film, how like international films don't have their own Freddy, Jason, and Chucky. And I had to think about that before. And I'm not saying like they don't have their characters, but can anyone really like, well, I don't know. I'm going to speak for myself. Can any, can I really sit back and think about a horror character that comes from a foreign film and say like this is a prominent character we all know and and love in the market now granted there is characters that come from like folk tales like La Llorona but we're talking about more of like in the sense of like Chucky Freddy Jason you know I could name like a bunch of American horror icons more than I can name international ones. Um, the only one I can really think of right now that's international is um, Samara from from The Ring. I believe that's her name. You know, if I'm wrong, I mean, someone will probably correct me later on. But yeah, that's the only person I could really think of from The Ring. The Grudge, I want to say... It's pretty iconic, but I don't think there's necessarily a horror icon. And I'm talking about the foreign language, um, the Japanese version of The Grudge. I don't think there's anybody I could really name like, oh, yeah, watch out for that villain. That motherfucker is going to get you type type th- type deal. You know, so I could see why Fabrizio in this movie was like, well, we're trying to make our own horror icons and what have you because honestly like we could name a lot of like maybe like classic international horror movies like Suspiria The Ring like I mentioned earlier The Grudge but can we necessarily name too many like specific killers or like the villains not really at least for me not really But I'm pretty sure there's somebody that's going to say, like, well, what about this motherfucker, Doom? You know, well, you know what? I'm going to throw somebody out there. Mother Mortis. Watch out for that motherfucker. (laughs) That's that's my international horror icon, Mother Mortis. (laughs) Oh, man. But um, another thing that I do like about this film is the final girl. The final girl, Elisa, who was just literally she goes from a scared mother to this badass woman now here's the thing this is how she pretty much transitions into that so 
as she was captured with everyone well she wasn't captured honestly she was with everyone else and they were pretty much like stuck at this house kind of like cabin in the woods honestly the story is that these three monsters i really can't remember their names because they were so ridiculous (laughs) let me get their names real quick for you guys because when you hear these names they are so fucking ridiculous it's just like nigga where did you come up where did you get these names from (laughs) yeah yeah so the three deities so the story is let me let me backtrack a bit so the story is which fabrizio had the knowledge of was that these three deities these guys that are just like deities for this one little village area that they're trapped in they take people and use them as a human sacrifice for their gods. So what they do is cut out like the victim's tongue, eyes, and ears. And they kind of like make a face to kind of like, I guess, show like their, their worship for their demon god and what have you. So the three deities that are kind of running around. And fuck in really creepy ass masks, by the way. Their names are Ostro, Mastoso, and Carcanoso. I swear, I'm I'm butchering so many names. <laughs> I'm so bad. I, as you guys know, I am really bad when it comes to foreign language. Like honestly, you know, I'll get there one day. I will definitely get there one day. But yeah, the names are so fucking ridiculous. It should have been already a hint of like, who names these motherfuckers? (laughs) Like, who names these motherfuckers? But anyway, so like the group is pretty much kind of like trapped in whatever. Uh, Fabrizio and the crew are just like stuck in this house um, while they're saying their bits of like, oh, my God, let's, you know, spend our last moments with each other before they kill us and drink this beer they drink this beer what happens next is that everyone that was in the house um including this girl that they found in in the house when they got in there whose tongue was apparently cut out because obviously there's there's an obvious obvious twist to this one they're all captured besides Elisa. Now, I don't know why Elisa is the only one not captured out of the group, but Ricardo, he's captured and they cut off his ear. Sophia, who was with Mark, uh, Mark is killed, by the way, early on in the film because this dude ends up getting drunk so bad is that this motherfucker crashes into a tree and what have you and what ends up happening is like the people that are kind of like part of that village they end up taking this dude and they literally just fuck his shit up they literally took a hammer and smashed his fucking feet like total misery style they went kathy bates on his ass honestly like that shit looked gruesome but they didn't take out one leg they took out both legs and then after that these motherfuckers took out his eye they pierced his eyes and everything so so they take um yeah they take Sophia they take Ricardo 
but they don't take Elisa for whatever reason. So it's just Alicia and Fabrizio just stuck by themselves in this house. The little girl that was in the in the house with them, she's pretty much out there with the people sacrificing the, um, the other victims. Well, she's not with them sacrificing. She's like in the sacrifice. Like she's literally stuck back in a cage for whatever reason. And she's part of the human sacrifice or what have you. Now, here's a story, which I hopefully I'm not confusing a lot of you guys. The story about the demons who pretty much like runs this whole little village of people. They kind of get people by their fears, basically. So what I found was very intriguing is that for Sophia, her fear was basically just being without Mark. Like, honestly, like her whole life has been spent. Not her whole life, but just the last couple of years of her life has been dependent on Mark because she's dealt with like so much fucked up shit as a young kid. All her life and all the things that she wants to live through is just now through Mark ever since she found him. Ricardo's fear was him not being able to see his daughter ever again because of the bullshit that he went through the malpractice that he went through and basically like he got into an argument with his wife so she basically told his ass like I don't want to see you again and threw his ass out the house you know total Kim K style what she's doing to Kanye and shit I'm sorry I shouldn't even bring that shit up (laughs) But yeah, Ricardo's fear is just never seeing his daughter ever again. Elisa's fear is actually becoming a mother. And it's funny that they found this girl in this house because she literally has been used as like a ploy to kind of like make Elisa feel some type of way. But yeah, like the legend, according to the legend by Fabrizio, the deities and their evil spells, they use fear to kind of like scare the people who are their victims. So they use their deepest fears. So with the little girl, Elisa is trying to save because in her mind, she's thinking like, what if this could happen to my little girl? After Ricardo Sophia has been killed and everyone has been sacrificed to these people, Elisa, she's pretty much like stuck with Fabrizio, but she figures out, wait a minute, how can we all got knocked out if we just took a sip of the beer, but you didn't take a sip? And it's because he planned it the whole time. So she figured it out. It was him. Next thing you know, she's pretty much like captured. She's stuck. Later on, she finds out that everything that's being done is pretty much a fucking movie. And Fabrizio just goes all fucking Lex Luthor and shit and starts telling off all his plans and everything like that. Or just like a a regular uh, Batman villain or just any comic book villain just tells off all his plans and just pretty much mentions on why he's doing it. And that's to, like I mentioned before, is 
to kind of like make Italian or international horror icons. And he talked about how like if this was like America, he would already be on his third or fifth sequel. (laughs) And honestly, he ain't lying. (laughs) He ain't lying, honestly. If you were to do what he did in in a classic horror story in America, Deadass, it would probably get its fifth sequel. Eventually, Elisa, she pretty much finds a strength and she starts like going fucking John Wick on everybody's ass, including the girl who turns out to be Fabrizio's sister and ends up being the one who's kind of helping him the whole time. So... Yeah, Lisa starts raging out and starts killing the both of them. Yeah, total badass. Total badass of her to kind of like say, fuck this shit. You guys aren't taking me or trying to force me into being in your shitty ass horror movie. Um, Moving on now to things that I dislike. I really fucking dislike the fact that I knew the killer, who he was, way ahead of like the reveal. Honestly, I figured who who the killer was in the first 30 minutes. And that has got to be the most irritating thing for anybody who watches a movie or just watches a horror movie and they have this, oh, who is the killer type um, storyline? And you could literally figure out, well, depending on how much this nigga is in the movie, I pretty much could tell who the motherfucker is. And it's funny because the trick is half the time, If you don't see the nigga getting killed personally, that nigga is the killer. Um, If you don't see the nigga getting, like, threatened by the killer or anything like that, that nigga is the killer. Honestly, I've watched um, Someone Inside Your House or There's Someone Inside Your House, however that long-ass title goes. I can't talk shit because my podcast has a long ass title too, but I figured out who the killer was based on how the character was being used. And I noticed that there was no interaction between him and the actual killer. There was no scenes where like, if he was the killer, he had some help by someone. So they showed him getting threatened too. We didn't see him getting threatened. We only saw just like little minor threats, you know, while everyone else is getting like madly threatened, he only had the minor threats. So it was real easy to kind of figure out who the killer was in that film versus like if you were to watch Scream, like Scream 1, and I'm thinking back to like when Billy Loomis was in that fight with Stu. Basically, the way they kind of like made you think like it wasn't Billy is because we saw Ghostface, quote unquote, attack Billy. But really, it was Billy and Stu that was just in it together. They were in cahoots. And that's how you could really fool an audience by thinking like, okay, it's one killer, but really it's two, which is always sometimes brilliant. In this film... It wasn't that brilliant, going back to a classic horror story, I mean. I literally figured out who he was just because of just how much he fucking knew. He knew way too much about that fucking cult. 
I don't give a fuck about, you know, because he lived there, you know, Doom, because he lived there, he knew all about them. It's a fucking cult. How do you have so much information about the cult? It's a bad reveal, honestly. And then the whole idea that everything is being done to make a movie out of it. I really thought it was like, it was an okay twist and reveal and a good commentary. I liked the commentary. I did not like the reveal so much, honestly. And I just feel like it, it wasn't like a good mix of like, just like having the whole midsummer and cabin in the woods vibes with this film because i'm feeling like i'm watching one type of movie but in reality i'm watching another now here's the thing here's why we like cabin in the woods we we didn't even have to take cabin in the woods that serious it was a good film that had good commentary that talked about the horror genre in particular, and it was made to be funny and comedic and not taken that serious. The reasons why we love Midsummer, it's a different film. It's a film that just manipulates you into thinking like, you know, there is a hero and villain in this film, meaning that Danny is the hero and and Christian is the villain. But really, it's a movie about Fucked up people doing fucked up things to each other. Just a bunch of frenemies who don't know how to really like deal with not being friends with each other. And they just treat each other very shitty. And they're just toxic around each other. As well as we're, we the audience, we the audience are being manipulated by Ari Aster to think that Christian is the bad guy when really Pele and the rest of the Hagra are the ones who are the notorious villains in the whole film, honestly. But, or we could just be like my girl Megan and just be like, well, I think the Hagra are the protagonists of the film. <laughs> oh man. But, um, <clears throat> Those are the reasons why we like those films. Now, to kind of mix it together in this film did not work so well. At least in my opinion, it did not work so well. Because it's like, I feel like it took away from the tone of what we were supposed to see this film as. Were we supposed to be afraid of what's happening? Or are we supposed to laugh at what's happening? Are we supposed to be in fear or are we supposed to think introvertly about like how we, the audience, treat international films? It's a very contrasting take or a contrasting tone with the film itself to where I feel like I don't know what the fuck the film wanted to be. Honestly, I'm going to have to say if I were to rate this movie Honestly, it would probably be at the bottom, bottom with a 2.5 because the film is watchable. I'm not going to say like the film isn't watchable. The film is watchable. It's filmed really well. The colors are really good. I mean, 
even for like the scenes that are in the dark they're not totally like they shot it in the dark you could tell like they made some scenes and look like it's dark time which is good because I hate those movies where like it's super dark and shit the audio was good it didn't like phase out like it started off high and then you lost a bit of audio and shit um but just overall like the story characters I didn't really care for the characters all that much per se and the monsters the monsters quote unquote that were supposed to be in the film were just more hilarious than anything else even though they had some really badass masks but anyway we are going to go into break right now. And when I come back, we're going to talk about some things that I've seen in the news lately. So, like you shouldn't say in a scary movie, I'll be right back. Yeah, so let's first off, let's congratulate Scream for making about $34 million in the box office this past four-day weekend. I, I gotta give it up to them, you know? That just means, like, this Scream movie was definitely well-received. People were excited to see it. I'm still excited to go see it. I'm just not going to the theaters to see it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was doing some research about how much money that they really budgeted from this film. The budget for this film was only $24 million. And that's literally all they put for the film. And they managed to make 34 mil. Well, that was from this past weekend. I looked at something earlier this past week. And I believe... Um, the current standing for it is like about 52 mil, I believe, something like that. We'll see what this motherfucker does when it comes out of this coming weekend, by the way. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what this movie does, see if this movie is going to hold up. I mean, it literally beat out Spider-Man. Spider-Man and everybody is just having orgasms over this new Spider-Man movie, which I haven't seen yet either. Um, I haven't even seen the first two Spider-Man movies, so let's not even get into that little rabbit hole, honestly. I know there's probably, like, some Marvel geek out there, gatekeeper, that's like, You haven't seen the new Spider-Man movies? They've been out for so many years. It's like, well, nigga, I got a life, too. Shut up. <laughs> like, but, um... Yeah, like, honestly, and this is something that really annoys me. I don't know how many of you guys actually deal with shit like this, but the one thing that annoys me the most is motherfuckers that go, you haven't seen that movie? That movie's been out for so long. Motherfucker, I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> do you think I really wanted to see that movie? Shut up. You know, like, I have not seen all the Marvel Universe movies. I've only seen Iron Man 1, and Black Panther. That's about it. After that, I have not seen any of the Avenger movies. I have not seen the Hulk. I have not seen any Thor movies. I have not seen Black Widow, but I'm glad I not, I didn't see Black Widow because I heard that shit is atrocious. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, I have not seen 
any of that shit, honestly. So it's it's like talking to me about Marvel movies that that shit goes like one ear out the other because I really just don't care. And it's not the fact that I wasn't trying to see the movies. It's just for the fact that there were so many fucking movies that came out from that universe. I was just like, fuck, I haven't seen this movie and this movie connects to that movie and that movie connects to that movie. Fuck it. I guess I'm not watching this shit. Honestly, like I would have to say it started with Iron Man 2 when that movie came out. When I didn't get to see Iron Man 2, I feel like it was the start of like just a continuous trend of me not seeing any of the Marvel movies. Because when Iron Man 2 came out, I think the Hulk was the next movie and that movie connected to Iron Man 2 in some way. Then it was like the opening for the Hulk. and I'm not the Hulk, but Thor. And then Thor came out and Thor was like, or Captain America came out. One of those fucking movies came out. I don't know which one it was, but one of those fucking movies came out and they all connected to each other. And it was like, for me, I was like, I don't know why I'm I'm going to watch this because I won't understand anything that's happening. Like, honestly. So for me, I made the conscious decision of saying, I'm not watching any of that shit. (laughs) Honestly. Um, I saw Black Panther, obviously. Obviously, Black Panther does connect to the Marvel Universe and everything that happens. But for me, I wanted to see Black Panther because, like, come on, how many black superhero movies do we really get? That's the only reason why I saw that movie. I mean, raising my black power fist and everything and all that. I went to see fucking Black Panther. Sue me. (laughs) But as far as, like, all the other movies that came out, yeah, fuck those movies, honestly. I really don't care. And, And it's funny that people try and make such a big deal about movies that you miss out or movies that you haven't seen before and they tell you some bullshit like oh my god how do you not see that movie or oh my god it's been out for so many years and you know a simple oh well you know if you want to check it out do it man like it's a good movie blah blah like that shit i like I can't stand motherfuckers that be like, oh my God. It's like, motherfucker, would you calm your little bitch ass down? <laughs> like, it's not that serious. The world the world is not ending. Thanos is not about to snap the living daylights out of everybody. Uh, fucking Nibiru is not about to crash into the planet just because I didn't see no whack-ass Marvel movie. Like, shut the fuck up, <laughs> honestly. Um... Moving on, (laughs) congratulations to Scream. Next thing I want to talk about is Nightmare Alley is coming to HBO Max and Hulu in February. So I saw in an article for Blade Disgusting that this movie is about to come out. I guess it didn't really do too well in the box office. Um, In the box office, it had, it made about 9.4 million out of the 60 million that was put into that movie. Yikes. (laughs) But, I mean, it's like, it's like this. A lot of theaters, and I feel like a lot of companies, are really just tone deaf to really what's happening in the world right now. I get the fact that we have vaccines. I get the fact we're trying to get everything back to normal. 
But let's be honest. The Omarion virus, I mean, the the Omicron virus is really out here just causing problems in this country, this states, and just like where anybody is at. I mean, it is the most rapidly caught virus right now. More than Delta, honestly. And it's so crazy. I mean, I don't know if y'all heard about the fuses, like how these motherfuckers are like Dragon Ball Z fusing together and shit like that. Um, These motherfuckers, they just was like, oh yeah, we're about to be like RK bro and team up and start just forming a one unit like Voltron and kill everybody, you know, <laughs> like fucking Delta and Omicron and shit. Like, God damn, dude. Didn't they call this motherfucker Delta Cron? I'm not gonna lie, that's a that's a hard ass fucking name. <laughs> like that's a hard ass fucking name. I mean, it's just like imagine that being like someone's name at a DJ set, you know? It's like it's like you're at like an EDM festival and like you're about to go to like someone's set, they'd be like, next up is Delta Cron. <laughs> like that shit is that that that's a hard ass fucking name. No fucking lie, bro honestly i i can't even lie that's a hard ass fucking name but (laughs) um honestly speaking going back to like what i'm talking about enough joking around and being silly but yeah it's kind of like sad to see that a guillermo del toro movie actually did so dismal in the box office it's like Again, I mean, I I feel like it goes back to what I was saying. Like, they probably released this movie way too soon, releasing it to theaters, hoping that they would, like, get some money from it. But it's like, where we're at right now is we're not really expecting many people to go to the movies. I mean, I'm hearing, like, kids are barely even going to school right now. Like, there's literally, like, 15 kids in a classroom at the moment. Like... Like, or should I say like 5 to 15, maybe 20 with some, but, you know, there's, there's like a lot of, there's a lot of panic within this world right now to where a lot of people are just like, okay, do I really want to go see the movies or do I want to protect myself from getting a virus? And obviously it's not a hard fucking decision to make. Honestly, I choose watching a movie at home or watching it on stream over going to the theater because I don't want to go to the movies one day and get sick. Like that's, that's some bullshit right there. I'm hoping that nightmare alley isn't as bad as I think it is. And that it's only just doing bad because of the pandemic. But the thing is, is like looking at the box office numbers from this past year which I was looking at because I was curious. I was like, okay, what did everyone else do in the box office? And if you look at the numbers for like big budgeted films, so movies like Spider-Man, Shang-Chi, Eternals, Black Widow, A Quiet Place 2, their box office numbers are in the hundred thousands. You know, with Spider-Man bringing in 500K or to 700K in total gross numbers. And, you know, this movie is probably doing very little Nightmare Alley because it's not a big blockbuster film. 
you know, like movies like fucking Space Jam, Jungle Cruise, Free Guys, Halloween Kills, you know, if we want to stick to the horror realm, those movies are like more well-received and more acclaimed just because of the name behind it. A movie like Nightmare Alley, you don't know what you're getting from this film. And I haven't seen any trailers of this film. I only read uh, I only read about this film for the most part. And yeah, for me, I want to see it because honestly, the movie is behind Guillermo del Toro. He wrote the film. And I was just like, okay, I'm more interested because I know Del Toro puts out some good shit. But I am not willing to go to the theaters to risk my life to see a possible lower budget movie that might not do so well. And then I get sick in the end. (laughs) I feel like the reason for its failure is not just only because of the pandemic, but just for the simple fact that Because it's not a big budgeted film, people don't have that psychology in mind like, oh, well, I know already what I'm expecting from this movie. You know, a Fast and the Furious movie could come out during the pandemic and do a good 70 to to like 200K in the movie theaters just because of name recognition alone. Nightmare Alley or anything lower than that, I'm sorry, like, good luck. Um, last thing I want to talk about is something that I've seen on social media. So there's this new festival that's going around right now and it's drawing up like everybody's stories, sharing and some memes going around. This festival is called When We Were Young and basically it's a classic emo um, festival with all the emo bands, all the classic emo bands like My Chemical Romance. Paramore, Pierce the Veil, Black Veil Bride, Dashboard Confessionals, and just many more bands. Now, I can't help but draw a bit of nostalgia back to like fucking 2004 and 2005 when I was just a young adult listening to these songs and what have you. And I gotta tell you, like when I was young, I didn't really care for My Chemical Romance at first. Um, I used to date this girl that was kind of into the band. She was actually really into like their earlier stuff. So um, the first album was called I Brought You My Bullets and You Brought Me Your Love. That's That album was a really good My Chemical Romance album. I mean, it wasn't like their mainstream emo sounding um, music, but it was like a post-hardcore emo type um, album. And it was a really good album, um, but that was not my first introduction to them. My first introduction to them was from the hit album, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. And I'm going to keep it a buck fifty. I was not into the band at first. And this is usually like how most, I feel like most people are, you know, they hear something for the first time that's like out of their comfort zone. If it sounds a little different or weird to them, they're not really going to be into it until like this shit is playing over and over and over in your head. And I believe the first song that I've heard was Helena. Um, Helena is such a good song. That one is about um, 
Oh my god, why am I blanking out on Humdu's name <laughs> from My Chemical Romance? Gerard Way's um grandmother passing away. So um yeah, that one was a really good song. I really love that song. I really love the album, honestly. I that album literally grew on me. I wanna say maybe a few months after I listened to that to that song. And then, like, sure enough, as a young man, I I wanted to listen to more music just like them. So I got into My Chemical Romance. Then I fell in love with um, The Sleeping. I fell in love with Dashboard Confessionals. You know, Chris Caraba and his little, like, falsetto voice that he got going on and shit. <laughs> like, oh, man. But, um... It always trips me out, like, looking at Chris Caraba, by the way, because that dude looks like a, like a pretty boy, like, like a super pretty boy, but this dude got tattoos up the ass, and it's just like, you really couldn't see those tattoos being on him, you know, at least for me, I couldn't really picture him with those tattoos that he got, but, you know, that's him, but, um, going into, like, just dating back to my story, you know, dating this girl, she introduced me to like the emo scene. And then she started introducing me to the screamo scene, which was like the screaming version of emo music. So you had bands like escape the fate, bring me the horizon, say a sin, you know, and I was just really getting into those bands. Um, my favorite is Alisana. I really do like that band. You know, they have a lot of mix of like screamo and emo, you know, like the song, screen um mix into that band and everything i mean the thing that i like about alisana is that they they draw a lot of their inspiration for their songs into like mythical legends and just like classic literature and what have you and that's usually like how they present their songs but they make it more of like a relatable topic to like heartbreak and just like dealing with like love and relationships and partners and like that that are deceitful and what have you um my favorite album by them is um the emptiness that album was written and this is like literally like a start of like where i felt like the band was kind of coming into their own um this band was literally making an album that kind of like anthologized or not really anthologized but they kind of wrote a story with this um album and not only did this album had a story to it but they had a little booklet that went with the story that you could actually read and follow along to see what the story is about um this the story was following like this old Edgar Allan Poe book or actually not a, it's not a book it's actually like a poem um I believe that is by the same title um that had the same concept that's in this song where like this painter, he believes that he killed his girl, but in the end, like it ends up being her that's killing him. It, it goes into like this whole weird dimensional um, storyline and what have you. But that album was a really good album. One of my favorites by them. Um, another band that I really do like was Escape the Fate. And I really thought Escape the Fate was literally moving into being like the new Guns N' Roses, honestly. But more of a metal sounding band. But um, 
and I feel like they did that when it was um when they made that album This War is Ours, honestly. Um, I'm not saying like they were Guns and Roses. I'm just saying like they were moving into that dimension of being Guns and Roses. But um with various band member switches because no band keeps the same members. <laughs> honestly. Um yeah, they lost a lot of their members. They even lost their lead singer, Ronnie, who is now part of the band Reverse, Fallen in Reverse. I'm sorry. I was about to say Reverse the Faith or some bullshit. I don't even know what the fuck I was about to say. But he's in a new band called Fallen in Reverse, which is not really new. They've been out for quite a while. And I feel like he's he's seeing more success being with Fallen in Reverse than he did with Escape the Faith. Now, the thing is with Fallen in Reverse, the first Fallen in Reverse album, if you ever listen to that one, it sounds like Baby Escaped the Fate. Like, it really sounds like, um, oh my god, I can't even remember the name of that album, but it has the um, picture of the girl with the with the bloody piercing on her lip and whatever. Oh, Dying is Your Latest Fashion. So, um, yeah, um, literally Fallen in Reverse's first album sounds like Dying is Your Latest Fashion 2.0, honestly. But then when he comes out with, um, I believe it's called Fashionably Late, it moves more into like this EDM, hard rock, rap album, you know, where Ronnie is now like actually rapping. And the funny thing about it is like Ronnie Racky was literally going to put out a rap album, which I was literally waiting for. I wanted to hear this dude actually spit. I mean, he's not a good rapper, honestly. <laughs> let's, let's start right there like I'm not really sitting here saying like Ronnie Racky is the new Eminem or anything like that but it's entertaining to hear him rap sometimes because it, it it reminds me of like I don't know a kid in the suburbs that listens to a lot of rap music and they try and imitate what they see but they just come off more corny than anything else honestly but um it kind of reminds me of back in those days, like the early 2000s when like apparently white people didn't really listen to rap music or whatever, you know, quote unquote, but that's not even true. Um, but I'm kind of rambling right now. <laughs> the thing is, is that what I do like about this, this, this show is happening in Vegas, same spot where day in Vegas was happening at. If you guys actually went to that event, I went to that event. Um, this past year, and it was an amazing event, Kendrick Lamar put on a hell of a performance, so did Thundercat, if you guys have not listened to Thundercat before, y'all need to listen to Thundercat, honestly, but, um, yeah, like, they're putting on this performance, this festival, in the same grounds of Vegas, and the thing is that they have all these bands that are playing there, that's like, all the email, emo, you know, back in the day, Silverstein is going to be there. The youth sleeping with sirens. They're all going to be there. Now, when I saw the lineup, I was like, okay, there's bands that I'm excited to see. There's bands that I'm not excited to see. And there's bands that are just like, where are they? You know? So first off, Bands that I wanted to see. Of course, I want to see My Chemical Romance. I mean, who doesn't want to see My Chemical Romance? I mean, My Chemical... Like, if you were into the emo scene, My Chemical Romance is literally the staple to listen to. Like, literally. Um, Again, I wasn't really into them. 
I only got into them because I started liking Three Chairs from Sweet Revenge. Um, I really do like the album. I brought you my bullets. You brought me your love. Um, the Black Parade. I I would have to admit I was not into the Black Parade. I'm still like weary about the song um, "Welcome to the Black Parade." Honestly, because I don't know. It's it. It has it's like Queen esque type moments because it's very theatrical and I just I don't know maybe I don't know I think the theatrics kind of throws me off a little bit but the album itself is kind of theatrical in a way um but it's still a good album but then after that their albums really did become (laughs) literal literal trash I mean it was literally like um doo-doo chips and and um manure salsa you know so it's like what am i listening to (laughs) so um yeah i didn't really care for the killjoys album that was the most terrible album um i i would feel like because during that time they were trying to like get away from me and seen as the emo band and they did not like the term emo band at all like gerard wade himself was just like Fuck emo. I am not an emo band. We are we are a band. Like we are dudes in a band. So I feel like because of that kind of stigma, that really kind of turned Gerard Wade off. And kind of turned some fans off too when they came out with that Killjoys album. Um another band that I'm really excited to see if I do decide to go to that motherfucker is Bring Me the Motherfucking Horizon. Yes, give me their shit. I want to hear Can You Feel My Heart? Or or fucking um When the sun goes up or when the sun goes down so does she you know i want to hear that shit bro i want to hear oliver sky bring on the old school bring me the horizon suicide season bring me the horizon shit everything up to um what's what the fuck was that last album that had don't go like up to that album honestly I don't want to hear nothing from their new shit because they have really become like a mainstream band. Honestly, I have not heard their new shit really. I heard a little bit of it. Um, and they sound like literal Linkin Park to me, honestly. Like they literally sound like they're trying to mimic Linkin Park on so many levels. Um, yeah, I don't know what bringing the horizon is calling themselves doing these days but let's bring back suicide season bring me the horizon you know bring them niggas back but um of course i'm i'm excited for dashboard confessionals afi hey miss murder can i hey miss murder can i your beauty is shining bright take my life okay that's that's all vocals you'll get (laughs) i know y'all niggas is like damn dude you know these songs bro okay i see you yeah motherfucker i'm telling you i listen to these motherfuckers religiously man you know i want to hear some of that that fucking um crash love album from you know i want to hear songs from that album 
You know, I want to hear from December Underground songs. Listen to what I say. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, yeah, l- like, let's get those songs rolling. You know, I want to hear Say a Sin, bro. Um, but I want to hear it with Cove Rebirth. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the only time I really listened to Say a Sin was when Cove, when Cove was on that, on that, um, was in that band. And I know he was literally like a replacement for um I forget the one dude's name because he was with another band um and I forget that band that he was with but um yeah <laughs> I want to hear Cove though <laughs> you know I mean but they could hear they could really put uh bury your head <laughs> you know um they could play that song you know I, I wouldn't mind hearing that song because that shit that shit is actually a fucking lit ass song honestly um. But moving into bands, I really don't really give a fuck to see Paramore. Fuck Paramore, bro. Honestly, there's, I mean, not to say that Paramore is a bad band. There's only like a handful of Paramore songs that I really like. And I mean, honestly, Paramore is more of a girl band than anything else, honestly. Not to sound sexist, but I'm just saying, you know, along with all these other bands that I'm about to mention, but Paramore, especially Paramore. You know, is is like a super girl band, honestly. Um, not to say Paramore is that bad because I do like. That's what you get when you let your heart win. Whoa, ho, ho, ho. You know, I love that song. You know, I I I I get so into that fucking song. It's so ridiculous, but um. That one, and um, it's a couple of songs from, I think the album is called Misery Company or Misery Business. I can't remember what the fuck that album name was because it's so long ago that I listened to those bands. I really don't listen to them like that anymore, honestly, because music taste has just changed. I mean, and that's a good thing, honestly. As you get older, I feel like as you get older, there should be a development into like what you listen to. You shouldn't just be stuck on listening to the same thing i mean it's nothing wrong with listening to the same thing but you know as at the same time there's a lot more good music out there honestly you just gotta search for it you know you don't hear it all the time on the radio but um and i think my energy drink is kicking in so that's why i'm too energetic right now <laughs> but yeah definitely paramore is one band i really don't care for to seeing Pierce the Veil, Black Veil Bright, and The Used, also another bunch of girl bands I really don't fucking want to see. Um, but bands that are, like, missing are Alisana. Why don't you have them niggas there? Why? Why? Like, where are they? <laughs> Come on. I want to see them. If I was going, though. Um, the Sleeping. Where's The Sleeping? Now, that band is, like, a really low-key band. Like, they're being based out, I believe, in Seattle. And when I first heard them, you know, I heard this song called Don't Hold Back. And it was just, like, amazing. Don't hold back, don't hold back. Okay, I don't remember the words. (laughs) But it's definitely, like, a song that would get you going. It's very inspirational. But then, like... As you listen to, like, the songs throughout that whole album, I believe this album is called, like, Day 3, I believe, or some shit like that. I don't remember the name of the album, honestly, but I remember, like, 
for the sleeping day you always use like a bunny rabbit as like their logo and what have you but um yeah like that album gets real dark after that and you can see where like it's being like an emo album so where's them motherfuckers at where is fucking aiden bro where is <laughs> okay they probably don't want a aiden because of um William controls um little um controversy with younger women and all that, <laughs> but yo like Aiden is probably like maybe like my number two band honestly as far as like the emo screamo genre. At first, the motherfuckers actually started off as like very emo. But then they move into like kind of like no, actually I'm sorry. They they were very screamo because they had that one song. I set my friends on fire and die romantic. Um, two different albums by the way. But their first two albums came off as like very screamo albums. But then um, when they came on with the album Conviction, oh my god, that they went to like emo goth realm. And I gotta say, like that was probably like Aiden's best. I want to say, and maybe to this day, I, I really do love the songs from conviction from the conviction album. You know, I love the song teenage queen. I love, um, she will love you. Um, um, what's the name of the other songs that that's on that album? Um, son of lies. Um, it, it's a really good album, honestly. And you know, that really just was like, amazing and then they had that one song will sleep forever that was on the dead silence album and that really solidified almost like aiden being like an emo goth band but then william control came out <laughs> and oh my fucking god did that change the whole dynamic of aiden oh my god oh my fucking god <laughs> oh man yeah i i feel like will francis really was just so in tune with the william control character so much is that they were he was like you know what fuck all this emo shit we are gonna do some hard rock metal type shit let's do this shit let's get this shit let's get this shit (laughs) oh man but um yeah where the fuck is aiden and then lastly, where is Escape, bro? Where's Escape? Come on, you telling me. You telling me Escape the Faith is too busy to perform like their old songs in front of the in front of the scene crowd that made them famous to from the get-go? I mean fucking bring me the horizon is there, you know? But I mean again, we're in a pandemic. I'm pretty sure Escape is like, you know, fuck that shit. I forget home dude's name that replaced Ronnie Radke's, um, as the lead singer. I forget his name right now. Oh, Craig Mabbitt. There we go. I'm pretty sure Craig Mabbitt is like, nah, fuck that shit. I'm not trying to catch Omicron or whatever the fuck this bullshit is, you know? So, and mind you, like, Craig Mabbitt, before, like, he was with Escape the Fate. He was with Bless the Fall, you know, making, like, Christian hardcore music. You know, and that's another thing. Where the fuck is Under Oath at? That's another band. I'm just like, yo, they got famous because they were in that scene. 
So you tell me Under Oath doesn't want to go on tour with all these bands, you know, all the people that they used. This is literally the Vance Warped Tour, but just brought into one, honestly. This is Vance Warped Tour from like 2002 to 2006, honestly, just brought together into one festival. Like, literally, this is what that is. But um, I don't know. I'm excited for it. I'll see if I'll go. I don't know. I might go. I might not go. Um, obviously, I'm. I guess I'm not as scared of COVID that much if I'm going to festivals. But, <laughs> but I'm scared to go to a fucking movie theater. <laughs> yeah. So right now we are about to take our last break, and when we come back, we are gonna have the slasher corner. So yeah, be right back. So, welcome to the Slasher Corner. As you guys know, I always have a slasher movie, or just a movie in general, to suggest to you guys to watch for the week. What I am going to suggest this week is the movie Raw, which you can find on Netflix. So, in this movie, it deals with, like, a girl who's starting her college experience as a a freshman. And in this time, you know, she's getting hazed a lot by, like, not only just, like, her peers, but her sister as well. Sure enough, like, there's a deep secret, which I'm not going to reveal because this is going to be spoiler free, that happens in the movie, and let's just say things get a little bit crazy between the two sisters. So yeah, um, I, I watched this movie recently for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and I gotta say, actually, that's a lie, I actually watched it this past week. And it is definitely insane. Um, the only reason why I watched it because I was in a group. Well, I'm still in the group, but it was a group on Facebook, and they were talking about like gory movies to watch. They suggested that this movie was one of the gory movies to watch. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm too into like the torture porn way too much that now anything that's being described as gory, quote unquote. It's not gory enough for me. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if, if Terrifier is out here sawing bitches in half and they coochie and all that, a bunch of blood splatter or a little bit of blood splatter in this film doesn't really affect me that much, honestly. I'm just saying, but maybe that's just me being a little desensitized. But if you guys want to check out Raw, it's on Netflix. Um, yeah, just check it out. It's a, it's a really good film. I actually liked it. I thought it was real decent. Um, other than that, this will be the show for today. Um, I'll catch you guys in the following week. Um, as you guys know, I'm on every other week now, so I'm trying to stick to that schedule for y'all. The boy is here. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> but anyway, if you guys want to follow me on the socials, the socials are Walter Doom on Instagram, WalterDoom1 on Twitter, TheWalterDoom on TikTok, and WalterDoom 
anywhere else that's involved in streaming. Um, you guys, the audience, you guys are the real MVP. I hope you guys continue listening to me. Um, shout out to my boys, Algorithm C and Callie the Wolf for supplying the beats to the show. And yeah, we are signing out for another episode of Let's Talk About Horror. This is America. Don't let them catch you slipping now. Stay diabolical, people. Peace.